Digicom Weekly Growth Marketing Podcast. Hey guys, I'm Heyman from Digicom. Uh, we're a no BS growth marketing agency here to help you grow your brand. Uh, this is our first podcast and what we wanted to do is cover all things marketing growth to help businesses uh, scale. I'd like to introduce uh, Vinay from our Digicom team. He heads up growth for a number of different partners. And today we're going to cover influencer marketing. Thank you, Hemant. I'm really excited for this. Um, this is a really important topic, um, especially I think with every single client that we work with. Uh, influencer marketing is, is one of the prime things that we always plan and work on. So yeah, um, it's, it's really exciting and uh, let's move forward with this. Awesome. The topics we're going to cover. So, you know, what is influencer marketing? How brands use influencer marketing? Uh, we have some anonymized data from tests we've run internally. Uh, what channels support influencer marketing? And, you know, if you're looking forward to getting started or want to get started, uh, we have some tips to help you with that. All right, Hilman. Uh, I think this is a good point um, to also get some clarity. Well, everybody knows what influencer marketing is, but let's hear it from you and, and kind of uh, nail it down from there. Awesome. So uh, influencer marketing, it involves brands collaborating with content creators to market their products or services. One thing to kind of call out about influencer marketing and uh, why brands are leveraging it, it's because it's less intrusive than uh, just an ad experience. Um, you know, typically you'll see an ad get served by a brand. Uh, the ad comes from the brand uh, and you know it's an ad, but a lot of times with these influencer programs, uh, it's a less intrusive experience. So it's it's more native. It feels less like an ad and more like an endorsement uh, and or review. Have you have you kind of noticed this very often that you know because you're running a lot of paid media um, for a bunch of clients? Do you often see that any uh, influencer ads kind of get more traction than? You know, if you've done something in a studio or, or something that's very polished, what's your view on that? So in terms of uh, like UGC versus very polished, oftentimes a lot of brands will come to us and want to develop ads that are super polished. And uh, I would say seven out of 10 times, those very branded ads aren't as effective as something that's UGC. Um so in terms of the influencers that are creating these ads, uh, I would definitely say, you know, you have to test by brand. Um, and then there's also the question of like distribution. Where are we distributing this specific content? But by testing by brand uh, and understanding if it's uh, a more polished ad or if it's a more UGC style ad, uh, it's 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 important, but generally speaking, we do see more UGC style ads uh, tend to outperform. So uh, let's let's talk about more of um, you know classifying like uh, are there different categories into in influencers? And um, one question that often comes up while while working with clients, um, and and I'm sure you've you've heard them as well, is what sort of um, 
influencer should I go after? And what's like the leverage? Because every brand would want to get go out and get a celebrity with a million dollar following. But how do you kind of pick and choose and, and take that decision as a business, what to go forward with and where to start? So there are four tiers of uh, types of influencer. You have the micro influencer, usually like five to 100K followers, mid tier, 100K to 500K, macro 500k to a million and then you know mega influencers that have a million plus following uh typically from a lot of the tests we've run micro influencers work pretty well uh and really it just comes down to the content that's being created and the community that um we are promoting to uh if it's a niche product in a specific uh in a specific community um where we're trying to reach uh, out to these pers- perspective uh, customers, it's it might make sense to go, go the micro influencer route and work with a number of different micro influencer. But if we're like a bigger brand uh, where we want to have a larger reach, uh, then you know mid tier. Of course, as you get higher and higher uh, in the follower account, it just costs much more. Do you also, uh, and this kind of stems from from the previous question, um, because the the micro or, or the smaller influencers, we've, we've seen that across um, Instagram and and over time grows, uh, the engagement rate or of how many people that you can reach is is kind of going down, and you might not find every influencer which has like you know the moment they post they get a ton of engagement from their followers. Does that really impact when you're using that same content for advertising um or or is it independent and and even if an influencer kind of makes good content um which is visually appealing delivers the message they might not have a bunch of organic reach um would it work the same way when you run a paid ad so i think before being able to answer that question uh just kind of breaking down uh, the types of uh, distribution that can happen with influencers. So the first type is organic, right? So it's like the influencer creates content, they put it up on their own uh, social pages uh, and people engage with that content piece. Oftentimes what we found is this, this style of uh, influencer marketing is hard to track, but if the influencer is large enough and has a large enough following, then what we'll see is uh, we'll see like a halo impact uh, and we can see conversions occur for a lot of the brands, but it's, it's again, it's hard to track. So there's no like one-to-one, uh, you know, one click to, or 10 clicks to one conversion. Um, it, that's kind of hard to figure out. The next uh, way influencers, uh, influencer content creation is leveraged. It's through paid ads. Um, and so what brands will typically do, it's they will partner up with uh, influencers, have them create content and then serve that influencer content from their own handles. Uh, and then I, the third way, which is the most native way to do it, it's whitelisting that influencer. So influencers will create the content, they will give you access to their brand handles, and then you serve the ads from uh, that respective influencer. Typically, we do see this perform the best uh, over just over a brand leveraging their own handle. Um, and then 
Some brands will whitelist and ask the influencer to also post organically. It just, it really, you know, a lot of this comes down to testing and understanding who the influencer is, what their reach is, what is the type of content we're creating. Um, and so it does take a little bit of time to kind of nail that down. So stemming from the previous question uh, and, and the way you explained how, um, you know, influencers um, can be leveraged when, when they're posting on their own handles and the brands are pushing, you know, those particular posts from their handles. Um, you, you mentioned that it, 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 a lot of times you've seen that perform better than the brand's own handle. Would that primarily be because uh, people are seeing that from a different source, like a third party validation? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just less of an ad being served to someone and more that it's uh, like a native experience. Like, oh, who is this person? What are they talking about? What is this brand? What problem is this brand solving? Like, what has that influencer communicated with me? Um, you know, oftentimes we'll see engagement and campaigns that are set up for conversion work really well in, in that instance. Um, but other times say you're, you know, you're, you're scrolling on, uh, Instagram and you see an ad pop up from a, uh, from a brand and that, uh, ad is coming from the, like the ad is coming from the brand and it's uh influencer creative, like on a side-by-side -side test, we've, we've seen the whitelisting just outperform the majority of the times. That is definitely helpful information and, and something to kind of test out throughout all um, accounts. So just wanted to, you know, just take a second and, and jump into a little bit of the data. Um, so we have a, a client where uh, in, in this example, they're running uh, direct-to-site ads that are coming from the brand um, and then there we're running content campaigns for them. Um, and then we're, and then we're also running influencer campaigns that are whitelisted. Um, and what's interesting for me to, to see is that our influencer campaigns, typically we're seeing the highest, uh, click through rate. So, you know, in this example, that client, um, it's seeing a 1.18% click through rate. Um, and when you compare that to a direct to site ad, uh, the click through rates on that are 0.89%. Um, so seeing quite a big lift. And then if we're looking at conversion rates, because these campaigns are optimized for conversions, um, the influencers are seeing about a, the influencer campaigns are seeing a 4.21% conversion rate versus a 4.84%. Uh, and then when we kind of back out CPAs, CPAs are on par because of CPMs for influencer being higher in this case. But if we, uh, if we standardize what CPMs would be, uh, we would see much lower, uh, much lower CPAs from the influencer campaigns. One thing to call out in terms of like testing and figuring out what influencer creatives work and what don't work, it's really important to kind of break down the placement. So is it, uh, and, and the type of creative. So is it static versus video? Is it a reel or is it a story? Are we using short form or long form? Is there subtext? Um, you know, what is the copy that's accompanying it? And then, uh, I think this is also important for a lot of brands, just, uh, testing different value props and also hook testing. Um, that's, that's important. 
So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the influencer relationships, when we first start out, we will test messaging, we will test, you know, placement. Um, and at first, CPAs might, you know, or, or will generally be higher than what we're seeing with uh, direct-to-site campaigns. And then over time, as we find these small wins and optimizations, we're able to roll that out, take that information and provide it um, back to the client. Uh, we can go work with the influencers and then develop a better ad strategy, create content with messaging that's resonating, whether it's the copy or the, uh, the creative itself. All right. Um, so in terms of, of the channels that support influencer marketing, um, are up Facebook now meta, of course, and Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, are, are these the only channels that really work well in terms of influencer marketing or, um, are there better channels? And uh, in in your experience, what do you prioritize for clients? Sure. Um, so there are a number of different channels, really, like you know, across all the paid social platforms. Uh, so Meta, TikTok, uh, Snapchat. Uh, you can also leverage influencer uh, on YouTube. Uh, there's just a number of different ways you could do it because you could, uh, there's some platforms that will allow you to whitelist while other platforms won't. Um, but those same platforms, the way the ads kind of propagate on the various screens, it might not look so much like a branded ad. So it just depends on the platform. Um, and there, you know, there are quite a number of different distribution channels where you can get creative with how these ads are being served. Have you have you kind of noticed a difference where you know TikTok again being a major organic platform, uh, tons of organic videos being posted there? Is is there some sort of a comparison or a difference of why or when would you choose a TikTok or or an IG and vice versa? Sure, uh, I think from you know uh, our testing and learning, like what we've seen with TikTok uh, and clients that really perform well there, it's. Uh, clients that have created a ton of different uh content pieces that uh that have reached a lot of different users so like the the impressions are pretty high um and that there is quite a bit of content on their page uh versus something like uh on the meta platform we could just take that those content pieces and and turn them into you know uh ads right away um I, does it does that answer your question? Absolutely. Um, I, I remember in, in in a previous conversation, and I think um, we've also kind of rolled out a blog very recently about um, UGC, and it might not be in the flow of things, but I'm I'm still asking you that. Um, how how does UGC and IGC uh, differ, and and how do you place them in in the schemes of of your media planning? Sure. So in terms of uh, our, our media planning, it's a lot of it comes down to the creatives that the, the base assets that we already have from the clients. If we don't have, say, a lot of base assets, then we might go back um, and uh, we might go back and have those creatives developed uh, for the client. We develop them. We develop a lot of assets in house. Um, so it, 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 I think it just, I think it comes down to a lot of like the type of assets we have to work with. And then 
Uh, and then as we are testing and we're learning, it's leveraging those assets uh, to inform the next sets of assets we're creating. Right. It's, it's more of an iterative learning of what's working, what's not, and, and taking the next step from there. Yeah. And, you know, we uh, like to leverage learnings from specific verticals. So if we're working in the pet vertical, we're seeing specific types of creatives work for uh, work within that vertical, like in where we're launching a new partnership or, um, you know, we're trying to refresh uh, a, a client in the pet vertical portfolio. We will take our learnings and apply it and then continue to iterate, uh, you know, just kind of moving forward. All right. So um, next would be to, to kind of, uh, if you could break down like the steps of um, how anybody can kind of get started with influencer marketing, what are the main things that somebody should look uh, at before they do that and, and in the process. So that'll be super helpful. Sure. Um, so I think there are six steps and I'm breaking this down in six steps and sure it could be broken out as more or less, but, uh, essentially first we have to identify the influencers we want to work with. Um, and this can be time consuming, um, you know, finding the influencers in a specific vertical, getting their contact information, um, trying to reach out to them on Instagram or TikTok and, and seeing if, you know, we'll they'll get a reply back. Once that process has started, the next thing we have to do is um, understand if that influencer wants to work with us, say they do, uh, then it's important to set up a contract uh, between uh, the brand and the influencer. And really what this contract will cover is, number of content pieces created, usage rights, advertising rights, uh, how much the influencer gets paid. Uh, if, you know, if they are getting paid, are we sending free product? Uh, and we kind of nail down these details. Uh, and this changes influencer to influencer. So, you know, this is a, this is a manual process. Um, once uh, the details are ironed out, we then send over samples, the brand send over samples for the influencers to test out the product, understand what the product is. Um, and then after that, it's storyboarding. So, hey, you know, what did you like about the product? Um, let's talk about these specific benefits. Did you find these benefits, uh, you know, to be true? Creating that like um, narration of what we want that content to look like. And then the influencer go ahead, goes ahead, creates that, content piece, whether it's an image, uh, a video, um, you know, sometimes a GIF. Uh, once that content piece is developed, created, we'll go back and forth to review, edit, and approve. After that, we'll work with the influencers. Um, if it's a whitelisting contract, to get them whitelisted into the respective ad platforms. Uh, if it's not, we'll then take that creative and then start testing across uh, the various media channels. Right. Um, and, and this is, um, really important because there was, this was about a lot of noise. Uh, once the iOS update was rolled out the 14.5, um, would you say that it's, it's, it's now even more important than ever that, um, agencies and business owners start to, um, kind of give more importance to the creative side of it and, and, 
influencer marketing is one of the key pillars there because it's no longer about just you know putting in an ad and just putting in some technical settings in the ad platform uh, is it safe to say that this is where a lot of heavy lifting should be done for for all the brands now yeah so there are like different components in setting up the ad campaign right so there's like the technical setup um what conversion events are we firing? What are we optimizing to? Is this an awareness play? Is this a conversion uh, play? That That's, you know, that first part. And I think in like the nascent stages of Facebook, um, having technical setup and a couple creatives up and going uh, drove a lot of growth for so many different brands. Uh, uh, I think in 2023, what's going to be very, very important for brands, it's to nail down creative and continue testing through. So whether it's a like direct to site ad, testing out video, testing out statics, testing out GIFs, understanding your value prop, um, is it UGC versus a branded creative? What works for your brand? Um, and then, co- uh, and then constantly iterating on that. But, you know, I think a good way to also understand what's going on in the market is look at what your competitors are doing. Um, pull that information. If you see uh, in a whole new ad design, test it out. Uh, and then with like influencer, I think it's, it's, uh, it's similar. But um, ultimately, I think 2023, it's, it's more about developing different content and creatives and testing out how uh, effective these creatives are um, versus, you know, just focusing on, hey, you know, just uh, platform setup because there's like automation that uh, that has been um, rolling out. Now, there's also a third component to it. It's how are you testing? You know, are your test results just statistically significant? Um, how are you optimizing? Are you leveraging breakdowns? Are you understanding the placements that a creative is working? Because uh, in, in, in an example, you might have an influencer creative that say it spent a uh, hundred bucks. Um, you're getting $10 CPA. So 10 conversions, uh, client targets five. Uh, what you might find is by breaking down those specific placements of where the ads being delivered that, 50 of those dollars went to uh, Instagram stories and we had zero conversions while Reels had uh, the other $50 of spend with uh, 10 conversions. So if you optimize out uh, the stories placement, now you're you know at that client target. So um, I think all three parts work in conjunction with each, with each other as they have been. Um, but there's a higher emphasis on the types of creatives that are being rolled out. Right. That was really helpful information there. Hemant, um, your closing notes on this. Uh, so influencer marketing, uh, you know, it, there are a lot of different moving parts. Uh, brands should be testing uh, video and creative UGC versus branded uh, and if you're looking for support in influencer, I'd love to have a conversation to just understand a little bit about your brand. Um, you know, what your goals are happy to do a free audit and come back to you with how we could either launch an influencer program for you, or, uh, if there are other parts of the business that we can help support, check us out, uh, digicom.io. Um, again, my name's Hamant and thank you for joining me today.
Thank <laughs> you.